0: Hey, all you cats and kittens listeners out there. This is Afraid Not Podcast, and I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall, and welcome to episode number 39. We're so glad you're listening. Today we're talking to Angie Gavin, Angie Gavin. Um, Robin and I have known her for a very long time. We're
1: so excited to have her on the show. She brings an amazing story of faith and a way that we can all relate to how God is with us especially as we are in the midst of a time no no one would have ever predicted or known that was coming our way and yet here we are in the midst of our COVID-19 global pandemic
0: We recorded this right at the start of the quarantine and the pandemic. So we start out talking about what's happening. She gives us a lot of stories. We had some serious spiritual warfare we were feeling for real while we were recording this. Um, You're going to hear some dinging every once in a while. Please disregard. But... We felt like this is a very, very important episode to have out, and we really did feel like it was under attack because it's a very important message.
1: And as you have probably learned in the past several weeks, we're all figuring out new ways to do things. I bet many of you have been in Zoom meetings and up until the quarantine, you may have never done that before. We're learning to use technology. So we were doing social distance recording with a little bit of technical difficulties and we just chose not to give up. We know that God has put this on our hearts. We're choosing to obey God. We're choosing to trust him despite the adversity, despite the technical difficulties. We're asking him to use this conversation in your life to help listeners to know that we can all trust Him. We can trust in God and that we know that He is for us and not against us,
0: which Angie talks about a lot in her episode. Yes, she's going to talk about when God changed her direction in life as far as a career goes and a situation of molestation that happened to her and then the death of her father. There's a lot of frayed knots in this story, but God is for us who can be against us in all of it.
1: And that's actually one of the verses that we're going to just begin this with. It's Romans 8:31. And it says, "What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" So listen in to this episode of "Afraid Not
0: Hey, Angie, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: Thank you
2: so much. I'm so honored. I grew up with you, too, as my teachers (laughs) and role models
1: at my church, and I'm honored that you asked me to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. We're so thankful that you're here with us. Thank you for being willing to share your story, and we just are excited that you said yes. And Would you start us off tonight with telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your life and family?
2: Uh, yes, I um, grew up uh, in the Oklahoma City area and um, went to Councilor Baptist Church with both of you, which was wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and um, actually, my- we went so far back as Portland Avenue.
2: That's true. <laughs> That's very very true. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Our families have been friends for a long long time. Um, but anyway, uh, we um, you know I, I I grew up in a great Christian home, and and, uh, and I married a wonderful Christian man, and he grew up at, at Baptist Temple. Um, if you're familiar with that church at all. Um, but anyway, so um, I was in broadcasting for ten years, and uh, then I got out so that I could um, stay home with my girls. I have a five and a six and a half year old. They're 18 months apart, which was a little close but um now we love it at the time you know having a mm-hmm. you know, one and a half 18 month old was was pretty rough cuz you know i was just, <laughs> i had a, new, a newborn on one side and the other you know both in diapers and both you know but um but it was i love it now because they all they they both play with the same toys they love hanging out together they play well together generally usually um anyway so now I love it. Um, and, and, uh, it's wonderful to have girls. Um, and, and, and I I just love the friendship that I I can already see that they have together. Um, anyway, and then now, so now I just do, um, freelance work from home. I do a little bit of PR, um, a lot for nonprofit organizations and some uh, for-profit or companies that are just small. Um, and I can just work from home. So it's fantastic. I do a little bit of writing and then, um, I, um, uh, we have rentals um, I, we have some properties I manage about five units that I manage um, so I so I do that and I still am able to do a little bit of on camera and voiceover work here and there but it's very sporadic, it's random, you know, and but but I love that you know I can still do it a little bit and people are always like are you gonna get back into broadcasting and uh, I'm like I have way too many crow's feet at this point. I, I just don't <laughs> think
1: <that. laughs> oh, do
2: it's it's just you know the older you get the the harder it is and I'm not willing to do all the facelifts and, and all that shenanigans so I'm like mm, I think I'm good and I love working from home it's it's fantastic. So anyway, yeah that, that's kind of I guess in a nutshell
0: Love it. So tell us how you and Joel met.
2: Well, uh, he um, was a mutual friend through, um, through uh, actually, you know, Alicia Manning. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, Remember, Yeah. Um, anyway. And so, um, she introduced us one time just randomly at payway. I was with some of my friends. She was there with her husband or now husband and Joel, she was in town cause she was living in California at that time. And, um, and she was like, Angie, I said, Oh my gosh, Leisha. And we, we said, Hey, and we, uh, uh, you know, just talk for a little bit. And, and she was like, this is my friend, Joel. And I thought, oh my goodness, he is so cute. Um, but <laughs> I, I, thought, well, I thought, well, I'll never see him again because she lives in California and she's my only connection to him. Um, anyway. And so then, um, uh, I saw him again, uh, through, uh, like this, this little church gathering, it was kind of a multi-church gathering, um, in Bricktown. And, and then, um, Uh, and then I actually was moving to Florida for a job and, and, and he said, you know what, let's stay in touch. And I was like, yeah, right. I've heard all the lines. I'm sure you'll stay in touch. Um, but he did, he did. And, and I had come back, um, at this point, I had come back when he told me that for a uh, new year's Eve, like just family gathering and friends and whatnot. And, and he, he, happened upon the same gathering that I was at. And, um, and, uh, it was, it was, it was fun. It, we hit it off and we just talked all night long. It was, it was crazy. And then we saw each other one more time before I left for Florida. And again, we talked all night long and that was what was so amazing. Cause that was our first six months of our relationship with long distance. And we just, Talk on the phone all the time. And it was fantastic because we had that foundation of communication um, you know, from the start. That's that's right. all we had you know, we, we visited, flew in, visited each other here and there, but you know, mostly it was just daily talks. And so it was fantastic to really get to know someone like that. It was, it was good. And then, uh, dating long distance for six months and then, um, God opened a door for me to come back and I came back to, um, Oklahoma city for a job and, um, and, and, uh, it was, it was perfect. And we got married about a year, year and a half later.
1: Oh, that is so great. Awesome. You know, the the timing of the Lord for you to meet yeah. him right when you did and then for the door to open up uh, for you to come back and have the job. in Oklahoma.
2: I know, I know, because who would have thought, oh, this is the man you're going to marry. You're moving to Florida, you know, and, and yet it was all completely, it was perfect because like I said, we were able just to really get to know each other over those six months, you know, just by talking on the phone and you know, that was before FaceTime and all of that fun stuff. So <laughs> it was good. It was good. So
0: did you go to Florida To Florida for a broadcast job? Yeah. I, um,
2: did a show called hot on homes. I did it in Oklahoma, first, and then they moved me to Florida. Um, And, uh, and they, I, I did it there too. And it was once again, God's timing that I quit when I did, um, or resigned, um, when I did because I had come back to Oklahoma to work at NewsOK.com, which is the Oklahoma and I was a video host for them. Um, But anyway, because about six months after I came back to Oklahoma from that Florida job is when the housing crash, the housing crisis and all of that happened. And so they shut down all those hot on home shows, almost all of them. I think they only had a couple um, left around the United States and Florida was one of the ones that shut down. Um, And so I was like, oh man, I would have and stuck out in Florida. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow,
2: yeah. Anyway, so it, it, was, it was really good timing for sure.
0: So God was just kind of leading you through that whole thing. That's awesome. Yes,
2: yes, for sure, for sure.
0: We would
1: love <laughs> to hear what God has put on your heart to share in our, in our story tonight. And honestly, as we're having this conversation, there are so many people, including all three of us, that are feeling quite unsettled. Yes, and and right. times, we're actually recording this on March 24th and it will air April 24th. So won't it be interesting to see what 30 days will do? Yeah. I don't know, but we are right in the middle of seeing a global pandemic. So as we're sharing this story and as Angie is going to talk with you listeners about these moments of times when her life got frayed, when, when she saw God's faithfulness, our hope is that God will use this story and her whatever she's about to share to remind us all we can trust Him, that no matter what happens, He is there. Yes. So we just want to say that I know that listeners, it's it's everywhere. It's on the news. It's on everything you see. But we don't want to um, be just acting like nothing's happening. We are right, right in the middle of it too, trusting God yes. in the middle of it. So Angie, why don't you just share with us? Some things that God's put on your heart for our conversation today.
2: Yes, and that's exactly what I was going to say. The, the, this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing, it's pretty draining emotionally, spiritually, physically. Yes. It's literally affecting all of us. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share some emotionally, spiritually, physically draining experiences from my past and how God got me through them, that might help. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know.
0: All right. Let's but, do it.
2: You know, in Romans eight thirty-one, that's always been my favorite verse. Um, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Um, and you know, the first thing that God brought to my mind was, um, when my, I lost my job at one point and when my dad lost his job at one point, and I just thought it was an interesting, um, comparison. My dad was let go of a job because of cuts. Um, he took about a half day to grieve it. He never complained. He immediately started looking again. He was without a job for two weeks and, uh, he took a pay cut At the new job, but his benefits were so much better it ended up he ended up retiring from there, and it was an amazing job. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, kind of what happened with him. Well, for me, I thought I was meant to be a hard news reporter. <laughs> I thought for sure that's me and, as and you Robin were for a and,
0: while
2: Yes, as Robin and Jill know, I'm not a hard news reporter. Come on, look at me i 'm not like a. <laughs> You know, I was I was very wrong, um, and it wasn't good for my psyche. I wasn't able to detach myself the way other reporters did. I couldn't handle being on the scene where dead, dead bodies were. I could not stand exploiting people the way we were push, pushed to, and I ended up in counseling, trying to deal with it all. Um, my news director at the station I worked at picked me apart all the time, and instead of it motivating me to do my job better, it got in my head. And it made me worse at my job. And back in 2005, about three months after buying my very first home, I was fired. Oh, no. I, I had a breakdown that day and ended up in the emergency room from a panic attack. Um, I was without a permanent job for three months. I did freelance, and then I found a permanent job. Um, and ended up in a much better job suited for me hosting what I was just telling you guys, that television show about new homes, not hot on homes. <clears throat> I was able to even get my former job to pay me for the time I was without a job since they had broken our contract. Cause I had been under contract. Um, God had, to make me get out of news hard news reporting because I was obviously not gonna do it on my own. (laughs) I apparently had something I apparently had something to prove, insert eye roll there. I mean it just you know it's just one of those things when you know you're forcing yourself you're you're thinking oh this is what i want to do and it's not what you're supposed to be doing it's not what you know you're meant to do but i i thought for sure that oh no i know this is what i'm supposed to do i'll never forget one of the reporters who uh, is a christian one of the reporters at the news station i was working at even said to me at one point angie are you praying about this are you praying about what you're going through and how our news director and and, and how to how to deal with this and i said no, you know, I, I, was just so bent on, you know, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, that it took God getting me out of it and it ended up being the best thing for me for sure. Um, uh, the, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was, um, when I was molested in third grade and it only happened one time, but I repressed it for years. I was like 19 years old and, and then all of a sudden I remembered it. Um, I, I was like, oh gosh, you know, it was weird. Repression is a very strange thing. Like I, I, I wow. didn't remember it for all those years. So at 19 years old, I'm like, oh my goodness, I remembered what happened to me in third grade. And it wasn't a subject that anyone, anybody wanted to talk about. So I didn't know what to do. Um, the subject of sex had become very dirty and wrong for me at that point. Um, I went to counseling. Um, and then I finally saw the incident in a different light. And it happened at a nursing home type facility for mentally impaired people. Um, my dad's brother lived there. My uncle, he was precious. He, it was not him who did this. It was another man who grabbed me and pulled me over um, by the vending machines who did it. And when I finally slipped away from that man and ran, he came after me. Well, that's when my parents who had been speaking with the nurses at the nurse station saw and cause he grabbed me again. And when my parents realized what was going on, my dad threw this man up against a wall, which you guys oh. know my dad. Yes. yes. That's not like him at all. No. And my mom immediately got me out of there and she took me to the car and she said over and over again, that what that man did was wrong. What that man did was wrong. What that man did was wrong. In other words, Angie, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah. And, so, like I said, my perspective changed when I remembered it like that. My perspective changed, and I realized that my dad was my warrior and that my mom was my mother bird protecting me. You know, she she wrapped me up in those wings and she protected me. And it was the most like freeing, healing thing. And it really helped me get through um, that. You know, because, because like I said, you know, after, after all those years of repressing it, I was all of a sudden that third grader again, and I was dealing with it again, and I didn't know how to deal with it and I didn't know what to do. And I was angry and I was mad and people were like, oh, you need to forgive him. And I was like, how do you forgive someone who A, didn't ask for forgiveness and B, was mentally impaired. So he, he doesn't understand, you know, so it was, it was a very strange um, thing. And then once I finally started looking at it from, but look how my parents loved me, then it really helped me. Um, like I said, just kind of freed me from, from that burden.
0: So when this came (laughs) back up when you were 19, your parents knew what you were talking about when it came back up,
2: they remember. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and just, you know, it's, it's a parent's normal reaction to be like, yeah, but anyway, (laughs) Nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to talk about right, it. Right. it. It was tough. It was tough for everybody. Everybody was just like, "What's going on? Why, why are you bringing this back
1: up?" You know. And I was just like, "Because I forgot." Um, and I just didn't know. Thing, isn't it that your brain had a subconscious lock on that memory that you yeah. you just had it tucked away? And isn't it so fascinating that? I, I guess it was a way for you to kind of protect yourself to not mm-hmm. pull it out, to think about it mm-hmm. in your moment of counseling that there it was. And I'm so glad that you were so wise to go get counseling because so many people today don't. And right. then the healing that you experienced is never, never their experience because right. it's just still in that frozen locked Right, exactly. In Their brain,
2: so, and that's what you know. And uh, like I said, it was hard for anybody to talk about it with me. So that's when I was like, okay, I got to do something. I I've got to deal with this. And so that's when I I said, I, okay, I'm going to go find and and I checked out my insurance and said, okay, well, you know who can cover and and whatnot. And and fortunately, my insurance would cover a certain amount of visits, and and that helped a lot. But anyway, so so yeah, it was. It was, um, it was a great thing to, to kind of just work through that in a very safe environment and, and to know that, uh, that it's okay, you know, because for a second there, when everybody was saying, Oh, don't talk about it. Why are you talking about it? It made me feel like I was doing something wrong. And so it it was nice to hear that. No, you know, And, and, and then also, you know, just feeling kind of almost stupid because, you know, all these other people, um, You know, have been through so much worse. You know, a a lot of people have, have been molested and all kinds of other horrible things continually throughout their childhood or whatever. And so I felt inadequate. I felt, you know, like, well, this happened one time. You know what I mean? And so it was just. It was hard, you know, for me to to accept that it was okay that I did need to deal with it too. And then finally, when I right. said no, it's okay, I need to deal with it too, then it, it, it helped. It helped me. Well, to trauma kind of is accept trauma. That.
0: Everybody everybody's trauma is different, but trauma is trauma.
2: And the other thing I wanted to talk about, which you, both of you um, are very familiar with, this was my my dad's death mm-hmm. um, about ten years ago. Um, actually, uh, Dad went to the hospital two days before Christmas, and he had several brain surgeries for a brain bleed. Um, They even removed part of his skull to decrease pressure in his brain. Um, So fortunately, we had celebrated Christmas with my parents and my brother's family before we left for Albuquerque to celebrate with my husband's family. Um, And then the snowpocalypse in Oklahoma happened. Do you guys Um, remember that? Oh,
0: yes, yes, yes. yes. yes.
2: There were snowdrifts higher than a grown man. Um, There were abandoned cars everywhere. I heard Mm -hmm. stories of people, of people spending the night in businesses around the city because they
1: couldn't leave. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah, um, my I think my it was the only time in history that Council Road Baptist Church canceled its Christmas Eve service. Oh, I, think, <laughs> I remember right. And we tried to go yep. to the hospital to get, <clears throat> and I think we spent about three hours on the oh. highway. It traveled about one mile, and we yeah. finally realized yeah. we just can't go up this little tiny, tiny hill, this little tiny yep. incline. It was just more than our tires could take. So anyway, I know but it was, yeah. No, you're fine.
2: You're fine. <clears throat> my husband and I, we, we tried to drive back because we were in Albuquerque, but we were turned around by law enforcement in the mountains of New Mexico because the snowstorm had hit there first, and no one could get through. <clears throat> so I was a mess. Um, anyway, so my husband finally found a flight for me into Dallas. Um, but my flight to Oklahoma city from there was canceled because of the storm. So my husband then found a train for me to take back. So it was literally planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, And so he, he was posting about all of this on Facebook and a friend of ours saw it. And he contacted my husband and he said, his sister was on the same train. And he had a four-wheel drive SUV, and he was going to be picking her up at the train station and was going to be passing right by the hospital my dad was at in order to get home. And so he said, I can take her. So he literally, he picked me and his sister up, and he took me straight up to the doors of the hospital where my mom was waiting for me. And I was able to see my dad that night, and he was in a coma. Um, But he squeezed my hand when I spoke to him, which was amazing. That's so precious. It was. It meant a lot. Um, So anyway, so my dad was in the hospital for nine months. Uh, The brain bleed had killed about 70% of his right brain. Um, Before he ended up in the hospital, he had been having headaches and went to a pain management doctor who told him to take a ton of ibuprofen. Um, My dad told him, well, I don't think I'm supposed to since I'm on blood thinner for my mechanical heart valve that he had for 10 years but the doctor said, Oh no, it'd be okay. Well, it wasn't. Um, and, uh, my uh, dad ended up not taking all of the ibuprofen that the, that the doctor recommended, but he took some of it. And, um, so anyway, dad, uh, went into a coma, um, after the yeah. surgeries and all
1: that. The ibuprofen?
2: Well, because he was on a blood thinner, um, for oh. his heart. So and so then even more, yeah. And so I remember the surgeon was saying that he would carterize one spot spot in the brain that was bleeding and then another would spring up and then he'd carterize that and then another would spring up and he'd carterize the, the surgeon had been around for a while and had done surgeries and he said, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, just he could not get the bleeding to stop. Um. So dad was in a coma for something around like 37 days. So more than a month, he was in a coma. And the doctor said it was the deepest coma you could be in. Um, The next level below it would be death. And so during his coma, we were told um, it was time to take him off life support. But he kept breathing, although the medical staff said he wouldn't and he kept breathing. And so after more than a month, he actually woke up from the coma. And he asked the nurse what time it was and she, she was shocked. Oh, wow. she, was, she was like, did you just ask me what time it was? Anyway. So, um, during those nine months he was put on life support three times and always kept breathing when he was taken off. I mean, just kept, he, he had such a will to survive. Um, mm-hmm. so we would take up hymnals to his room and we would, and he would sing with us. Um, he got to um, to the point where he could write his name a little bit and a few other things, but he could never eat. He was on a feeding tube the entire time. Um, he kept aspirating and ending up in the re- in the emergency room, and then he just kept getting weaker and weaker. And finally, we had to put him in a hospice center, which he didn't want. He he didn't want to go there, but there were there were literally no other options for him anymore, just because the aspiration just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, And uh, after a few days of him being there, one of the hospice nurses called in the middle of the night, and she said, Dad wasn't going to make it much longer. So we rushed up there. Um, My mom and I held his already very, very cold hands, and we sang hymns with him, and he tried to sing with us, and we prayed with him. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he looked up to the corner of the room, and he smiled, and he took his last breath, and he was gone. Ugh. wow and we knew when he smiled that he saw jesus and maybe family members who'd gone before we knew he saw something wow. um yeah. and here's what's amazing even more amazing is dad we when we started talking to people and, and and hearing stories we realized that he made an impact on people's lives when he was living his normal life and during those nine months Um, like a great example is some of the friends, my parents who they'd known for a long time had quit going to church. But when they heard about these miracles happening with my dad during those nine months, they not only started going back to church, they started serving too to bring it back around to jobs. The job I had at the time was amazing. They even let me have time off so that it didn't count against my vacation or sick time. Um, I visited my dad every lunch break. Uh, you know, I, I, it was, it was such a, uh, such a great job. It wasn't controlling much like, right, you know, being the right. hard news business was. But, um, after nine months, we were all tired and dad went, um, into the hospital on December 23rd and then he died on September 23rd. So it was wow, exactly, wow. exactly nine months to the day. Oh, and the. The way that we um, have talked about it is, we kind of like to look at it like it was a birth into heaven because it was exactly nine months. Mm -hmm.
0: So, well, Angie, your parents—I was going to say—they had the most precious precious story, (laughs) like their marriage. I used to watch it from afar and be like, "That's—I want that when I get married." It was so beautiful.
2: I know they they really did. It was their their story is so cool, and I'm sure um, we've talked about that before about how they both just knew with, with each other. They, they both just knew. And it's, it was such an amazing, uh, fun story that would take another, I am sure I would take too much of your time to tell it. But, um, but when the Bible says like, like I talked about, you know, if God is for you, who can be against you, what does that mean? And so for me, when I was fired and I thought my news director was against me, God said he was for me and I ended up in a much better situation when i was molested and i thought that man was against me god said he was for me again and i ended up with a whole new perspective on my parents love for me and then when my dad died and i thought his death was against me god said he was for me and i saw miracles and lives changed from that time and so i that's just kind of what i was you know when I I was thinking about what do I want to talk about and I was thinking about all these different stories and I thought you know all of these stories have that same you know what when we feel like God uh, you know when the life is not for us and when we feel like life is against us we can always trust that God is for us and that God is not against us and so with the coronavirus with the COVID-19 instead of looking at it like oh, this is against us. This is, you know, whatever. God is still for us throughout all of this, even though right now it's scary. And even though right now it seems hopeless. And even though right now it's confusing and school's canceled and, um, everything else is closed. You, you know, you can get to the grocery store and that's about it. You know, we can't go to the movies. We can't go shopping. We can't, we, you know, when maybe it's all <laughs> good because it's taking, making us all slow down and have family time. Um, right, but, But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's just kind of what God put on my heart, you know, to talk, to talk about, about how God is always for us, no matter, no matter how it may feel at the time, even though it was intense to lose my job. That was not fun. It was intense to remember being molested. It was intense to lose my dad like that. Um, but then afterwards and getting through it and working through it and going, you know what? Thank you God for being for me, you know?
0: That's right. That's perfect. That's beautiful. Thank and you. And I think that's exactly what we needed to hear today.
1: And he's
0: for us right now.
1: God is for us, and He has not forgotten us, and He's mm-hmm. with us. He's going to carry us through this. Mm-hmm. He sees the future that we can't see, and all of us wish so desperately we could see. We want to mm-hmm. know how long will this last. We want to know how many of the people I know— are going to be affected directly by this plague, this horrible virus. Mm -hmm. He is the one that holds all things together. That's one of the verses that Jill and I cling to for this podcast Mm -hmm. in Colossians 1 about how in Him all things hold together. Even Mm -hmm. though things are just a mess, He still manages to hold everything together and works it all for His good. Yep. So
2: it's it's so true. And especially when it seems so bleak, when it, when it feels so, um, like normal life feels so unreachable again, you know, and, and things feel so intense and so scary and so draining. And so just everything, And and, yeah, it's, it's so nice to rest in that and to have that peace that only God can give, you know? Um, but don't get me wrong. I mean, there, 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 there have been times for me and that's, I think why God put this on my heart because, um, before, um, you know, like yesterday, even I was like, ah, you know, because then we found out that it looks like school's going to be canceled for the rest of this school year. And I was just, I was just like, no, my little pre-K or my (laughs) five-year-old. It's supposed to have a pre-K graduation and now she won't, you know, and I mean, silly things like that. Come on, you know, but but,
0: but no, it's not silly.
1: Both Jill and a college graduate that we're (gasps) wondering what's going to happen with their college graduations. And we're trusting God the same. Everyone has those, those, those questions of this God. And what about this? Right. And we can just lay it at his feet. He's not forgotten exactly. us. So Exactly. Right.
2: Exactly. And then, you know, God just brings me back to and humbles me when, you know, I think about the people who are really affected by this, the people who are losing people. And so right. then I say, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, and, and then that, that it helps keep me grounded. And then obviously praying um, for those people, because I can't even imagine, you know, and it broke my heart. I was talking to my husband about how, um, you know, with my, my dad's funeral that council road, that, that sanctuary was pretty full. Mm-hmm. We had quite a few people and it was it, it, an amazing feeling, um, to be so supported. And I am not only praying for people, obviously to heal through this, but for the people who have died, those families can't have that because right now we can't be in groups of more than 10. They cannot have a funeral. Right. And right. You know, it, or you know i i guess maybe just a small graveside i'm not sure how it would work but it's just heartbreaking that they won't feel that type of support and so there are all kinds of situations you know of people who need prayer right now it's just it's overwhelming um you know and that's when we've got to cling on to those cling to those verses that we've been talking about you know about okay god's for us and 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 you know obviously the verse that you mentioned as well robin it's just it's um, it's the only thing we have, you know. And I think hopefully through this plague, like you said, which I agree, <laughs> it feels like that for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> it does. It does. That that yeah. That that hopefully it's going to bring a lot of people um, to the feet of Jesus because it's going to help mm-hmm. people just go. I need you. We need you. Please help us. We don't know what to do. That's right. Right.
0: right. We don't have any answers. Right. This is not one of those easy things that we can just go, well, if we do this, it'll be fixed. I mean, there's no answers, and we don't even know what, lo- what it looks like from here on out.
2: Right. So it and is some scary. People- And then some people are saying, you know, and all kinds of fear, you know, oh, but they're trying, they're, they're wanting to try this um, um, vaccine or this, this medication for it. And, 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 oh, no, you know, and and so then you've get, you've got fear springing up, you know, but that's a horrible, oh, but that's horrible. And Anyway, and so it's confusing and, and there's all kinds of, and so what else can we do? But go to God and to pray and to, you know, just say, okay, we, we, can't, we don't know. And I don't know if our scientists and our doctors exactly know. So please guide them and please show them what, what can happen or what, what needs to
1: happen. Right. Right. I was just reading this morning um, in Deuteronomy. And it's right at the end of Deuteronomy 4, Moses is, just, is telling the people, before they're, he's getting ready to kind of give the whole law again, explain it all again. Remember God told you this and that and this why. And he's reminding them that you don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget mm-hmm. how he has delivered you, lest you forget. Mm-hmm. And he is God, and besides him, there is no other. And so... Mm-hmm. When we remember those things he's done for us, when we remember the times that, that he picked you up right when you, your job lost, um, when he provided that beautiful perspective of your warrior dad and your mothering protective mother bird mom, and when he mm-hmm. was there for you in the sorrow of saying mm-hmm. well on earth to your dad. Those are when we remember what God has done in our past, then we can look at our present day and walk with faith through mm-hmm. the unknown. And, oh, listeners, that's why we're doing this. We want to offer that hope to you that mm-hmm. God is with you and that he is not going to leave you. And remember all the things he's done to show himself faithful to you.
0: Yeah, And Angie, I was thinking when you were telling that story about your mom and dad at the nursing home, Mm because not everybody's parents have that reaction and they don't all get that covering that Mm -hmm. you got. But to me, Mm -hmm. that's such a picture of what God does for us in that he thwarts the enemy away and he covers us up. Mm -hmm. So even people that if their parents don't react that way, they don't get that protection feeling here on earth, there is a Mm -hmm. spiritual warfare going on and God is still scooping them up and thwarting the enemy.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I think what you were saying is that, you know, if the parents don't have that reaction of, of just that, mother bird and the warrior of the father, um, you know, that God is, it, God is our warrior and God can be that comforter and, and stuff like that. And that is so, so true. Um, because you're right, not everybody's going to have that. And I was very fortunate, um, to have that, you know, uh, you know, but it, the one thing that as now that I'm a parent, you know, I have to remember that parents aren't perfect, you know, and it's, it's not always easy and you don't always, I mean, good gosh, there are times that I'm like, oops, I shouldn't have reacted like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> But, um, you know, um, hopefully when it really counts, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, <laughs> react cor- correctly for my children, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, man. As you guys know, nothing can pair. It can prepare you for parenthood. Nothing can prepare you for marriage, but definitely parenthood. Like, I don't know. I just was always like, Oh yeah, I want a baby because they're so precious. (laughs) And, and I had, I had no idea like everything that went into it and, and how it changes your perspective. Like now my my definition of a productive day is that my children ate healthy and that they brushed their teeth and that they, you know, like if all of that happens, they made their beds and they cooperated. Um and I'm like, man. I was so productive today, getting my kids to do all that. <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny how your perspective changes on productivity and,
0: <laughs> and Right. Things. right. Uh-huh. if they ate and they bathed, you're good. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it though. I love, I love watching them grow and learn and, and, um, you know, and learn to love God and, you know, how they they uh, they mimic us and you know we, we you know if they see us talking about god and going to church and reading the bible you know and so it's there's a lot of uh, pressure to to be a good parent and so again we're not always going to be perfect parents and we've got to give ourselves some grace when we mess up um but it's it's tough because i definitely hold myself to a, a high standard and, and and it's tough when i fall <laughs> that's for sure
0: yes Well, Angie, thank you so much for
1: meeting with us and sharing. We're so glad that you came tonight to be on this conversation, and we're so grateful for your openness, and we just thank you for your time. I, I am like I said I'm so um, honored and, and you know thank you
2: guys for for uh, asking me because I, I don't feel <laughs> like one who would be um, you know as uh, somebody who who you would normally ask to, to give great insight into uh, the character of God and and you know and whatnot and so so I really hey, appreciate you've been on our list from me. the
0: very beginning that's
2: right that's right. <laughs> You're sweet. You're sweet. Well, thank you guys. And everybody stay well.
1: Yes, you too, Angie. You too. Bye. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Do you see why we just adore Angie Angie Breskabin? She's fantastic. We're so thankful
1: that she came and shared her story with us today. And it's our prayer that God will use her story to bless your life. One of the things that we we're talking over about this episode is how much God is teaching us, especially in light of the pandemic, how we are learning to trust Him more, and the verse that I referred to in the episode, it's Deuteronomy 4.9. And it says, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. This is a time for us to trust in God and to be noticing the ways that He comes through for us, and He answers prayers for us. And it's also a time for us to recall to mind all the ways God has been faithful in our lives and be telling our children about these things, to be talking about how we can trust in
0: God. Yes, and I also, I, I just wanted to bring up, I loved her description of the warrior father and the protector mother bird. I think that in a lot of situations, we can equate that with God taking care of us, thwarting the enemy away, and putting a cover of protection over us. And during this time, we are praying for that for all of you listeners. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back again.
1: Stay safe, everyone. Bye.